Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. It's great to be with you all. Uh, Pastor Daniel, thank you for the welcome. Um, for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Nick. My wife, Sarah, uh, was here maybe a couple of months ago uh, preaching with you guys. And we lead this church, Numa Church, that was sent out from Horizon. A couple of years ago, we launched September 2020. And eight weeks after we opened our doors, the doors were closed uh, because of COVID. And we spent eight or nine months um, online, as did everyone else. And then it felt like we just pressed reboot uh, last summer. And I was just helping set up uh, in our theater this morning. And one of the guys asked me, how long is it? Have we actually been meeting for a year yet? And I said, not yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> so uh, come July, we'll, we'll be at a year. Anyway, I wanted to just say that we really appreciate the support, the encouragement, and the prayers that come from our family here. Uh, it's so valuable to us, and we really appreciate all of that. I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, what I refer to as our church plant siblings in Princeton. So um, shout out to uh, Pastor Jen and Praxis there and the whole Princeton family. Um, we absolutely love you guys, love what you're doing there. We stand with you in the work of God. And I also want to just honor Pastor Craig and Shandra. I know they're not with us as they're on sabbatical right now, but they've been such a support and encouragement to Sarah and I, uh, to the whole Numa family. Um, and it wouldn't be right for me to stand in the pulpit uh, and to, to understand that Pastor Craig has entrusted this position um, and he has spoken the word of God from this position. And I just want to do honor to the word of God today, but I also want to honor Pastor Craig and Shanda. And we stand with the rest of you in praying for them week on week as they're in this season of sabbatical. So let's just dive into this uh, series, Encounters with Jesus. You've been in this series for a while now. Uh, you've been looking at some of those encounters that Jesus had with people and how lives were changed as a direct result of those encounters that people had with Jesus. And for some of you here this morning, I hope for many of us here this morning, our lives have been transformed. Our lives have been changed because we have encountered Jesus. Jesus has changed our lives as we have stepped into a moment of encounter with him and in that moment of encounter allowed him to do a work within us. I can think back to when I was seven. I'd grown up in church, uh, but when I was seven, I had an encounter with Jesus that led to me giving, making a personal decision for him to be my Lord and Savior. And I've not looked back. I can think back to when I was about... Um, 20, and during a time of prayer ministry, I had a really incredible encounter with Jesus where I had a vision of him on the cross that forever changed me. I think back to an encounter five years ago when I was ministering in the UK that changed the trajectory of my ministry, that changed the trajectory of our life as a family and caused us to uproot and sell everything, to come across the ocean, to plant a life-giving church here on the west coast of Canada, to reach people for Jesus. 
This is what I want us to understand. Every encounter with Jesus has the potential to transform us. Every encounter with Jesus has the potential to transform us. And some of you know what that's like. And maybe some of you don't. Maybe some of you are waiting for that encounter that will lead to some life change. Maybe some of you have given your life to Jesus, but you need a new encounter with Jesus because there's something in your life, some hurt or some struggle or some pain, and you're like, Jesus, I just need an encounter with you. I need you to come into that space in my life and bring about the change and the transformation I need. So we're going to look at one of these encounters this morning, and I want us to just start by praying, and then we're going to dive in. Father God, I thank you that your word is a living and active word. Speak through it this morning. May it be alive in us. May it be active in us. That we wouldn't just treat your word as some historical document or some educational document, but we would allow it this morning to come into the very depths of our hearts and bring about transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I don't know if this was intentional by Pastor Craig, but it seems appropriate that today being Grad Sunday, uh, we're going to talk about the skeptical student. That's the title I've been given. Um, And uh, hopefully we don't have too many of those in the house Uh, But I want to acknowledge that sometimes we can all be skeptical. Sometimes we all have questions and doubts of one kind or another. And my prayer today is that as we look at this passage from John chapter 1, it's going to help us in that place. The context here is that John the Baptist, or uh, some people call him John the Baptizer because we don't actually know what denomination he was, (laughs) was baptizing people in the River Jordan. And Jesus came to John as he was baptizing people, and John pointed out to him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he testified, this is God's chosen one. The following day, John does it again. He's got his disciples because John the Baptist, I don't know if you really think about this, but John the Baptist had his own disciples. He had his own followers. And he points out Jesus again to two of his disciples saying, look, the Lamb of God. And we're told that those two disciples then followed Jesus. And Jesus asks them what they want and they reply, they want to know where he's staying. And he replies, well, come and see. Just hold on to that phrase. And then in verse 40, one of the two disciples, we're told, is Andrew. He goes and finds his brother, Simon. And then in verse 43, where we're going to pick it up today, we hear about the second of John's two disciples. So let's just read a few verses from, uh, this is John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida, and Philip then found Nathanael 
and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Jesus' invitation to Philip was come and see. And Jesus finds Philip the next day and his next invitation is follow me. It's an invitation to see for himself and then to follow. And I want you to note that because it's a shadow of what is to come. So Jesus finds Philip and Philip finds Nathaniel. John is very intentional. He uses exactly the same verb. And I want to just suggest, although I'm not going to dive into this, that it should cause us to ask the question, do we find Jesus or does Jesus find us? And so Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. Uh, the indication and what is thought by scholars is that Nathaniel is another one of John the Baptist's disciples, thus the skeptical student. And Philip says to Nathaniel, we found the one Moses wrote about, the one the prophets wrote about, Jesus, the son of Joseph. Again, John is being very intentional in what he's writing because he's saying that this Jesus is the fulfillment of something that is found in the Old Testament scriptures. He's one that Moses wrote about. He's one that the prophets wrote about. He's the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of God's perfect plan for humanity that is revealed to us in scriptures and has been revealed since the very beginning of time. It's why John actually begins his gospel in the beginning, because it's an allusion back to Genesis. That God has been working things out through Jesus since the very beginning. And the interesting thing is, and this is kind of a setup for what's to come, let's just throw those verses back up if we can. Verse 45. Jesus is introduced to Nathanael as the son of Joseph. And again, I want you to hold on to that phrase because it's going to be relevant as we move on. Verse 46, if we can skip to 46. Nathanael responds, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? It's really interesting because immediately we are introduced to Nathaniel as this skeptic. Back in the UK, uh, my dad grew up in an area referred to or called North Shields. And uh, North Shields is north of a river called the River Tyne. And south of the River Tyne is South Shields. And uh, if you were ever to say to my dad that something good could have come from South Shields, given that he was from North Shields, he would have responded similarly. South Shields? Can anything good come from South Shields? Now, I don't know if there's an equivalent here. But sometimes we can find ourselves looking upon people from another place with a certain amount of prejudice with a certain amount of preconceived ideas. And ultimately that comes from a place of pride within us. Now it might be that you think of an area like Wally, 
Four years ago, Sarah and I came over uh, before we actually emigrated and we went and did some street work um, on Wally Boulevard. You might have certain preconceptions about people who live in that area or people of a certain demographic in that area. You may look at me as someone who lives and ministers in South Surrey and have certain preconceptions about people from South Surrey. You're nodding, thank you. Uh, (laughs) We have these preconceptions about certain people from certain places. And I want you to hear in this statement, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Just hear the pride that is in that kind of statement. Hear the prejudice and the preconception, even the contempt and the dismissiveness. Can anything good come from there? This is Nathaniel, the skeptic. So let's jump to this slide because we're going to move through a slide as we go. I've got a slide. Hopefully it's going to come up. Nathaniel, the skeptic. There we go. Okay, and and we're going to kind of progress across this slide as we go this morning, because here we see Nathaniel, the skeptic, and I want to ask you, what pride, what prejudice, what preconceptions, what contempt, what dismissiveness is there within you? And please don't sit there and go, I have none. Because if we search our hearts, we can find pride. If we search our hearts, we can find prejudice. Maybe you have come this morning with some preconceived ideas about Jesus. You might be skeptical about what Christians believe. You might be skeptical about whether Jesus was who he really said he was. You might believe that Jesus was who he said he was, but you have questions Can he really love me, given all my hurt and brokenness and sin? Can he really heal me? Can he really lead me into complete freedom? Pride, prejudice, preconceptions are toxic to us. And we need to come to Jesus with that stuff. And we need to allow an encounter with him to start to speak to that within us. It's not always conscious. And maybe like David, we need to just go to God and say, search me, God. See if there's any offensive way within me. Lead me in the way everlasting. The danger with pride and prejudice and preconception is that it can paralyze us. It can stop us from moving forward. If we don't allow Jesus into that place, it can stop us from moving. It can create all sorts of barriers and walls. We need to bring it to Jesus. Nathaniel could have sat in his skepticism. He could have sat in his pride and in his prejudice and in his preconception. But I love this. If we can go back to verse 46 a moment. Philip's response is not that he decides to defend Jesus as though Jesus needs defending. 
It's not to enter into an argument because arguing with a skeptic is very rarely fruitful. Philip's response is simply, come and see. Where have we heard that? That was Jesus' invitation to Philip. Come and see. And, and I love this because as followers of Jesus, if ever we get into a conversation with a skeptic and it doesn't feel like we're getting anywhere, we don't have to defend Jesus. We don't have to argue. We can just invite them. Just come and see. Just come and see. If you don't believe it, okay. Just come and see. And Nathaniel, despite his skepticism, chose to take a step forward because in the very next verse, verse 47, and I want you to see here the power of invitation. Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching. What was Nathaniel's response to the invitation? He didn't shun it. He made a response and chose to step forward. Okay, well, I'll come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. I love this because the invitation led to an encounter. Maybe some of you are here because you've just been invited by a friend this morning. My hope and my prayer is that if that's the case, that this morning there would be an encounter with Jesus. Let's not underestimate the power of an invitation. And I love this part of the story where Jesus speaks to Nathaniel. And this statement that Jesus makes has had theologians and scholars hypothesizing and conjecturing for years because they can't quite decide exactly what Jesus means. And there's all sorts of theories I'm not going to go into because it will miss the point of what I want to say. But here is the point. The only response Nathaniel can make to Jesus' statement is, how do you know me? So whatever that statement means, it actually, we don't have to understand that. What we need to understand is that there's enough power in what Jesus says. There's enough power in this moment of encounter that something changes within Nathaniel. And Nathaniel the skeptic moves to becoming Nathaniel the inquirer. Nathaniel the inquirer. There we go. I love this. It's so smooth. It's great. I, I love those who are working on tech. Thank you for doing it. You'll guess there's another one going to come a little later. Nathaniel the skeptic has moved to Nathaniel the inquirer, right? Because his encounter with Jesus shifts something within him. Because as Jesus speaks very simply to Nathaniel, it it changes this pride. It changes this prejudice. It changes his preconceptions. It breaks through all of that. And as we bring our pride and our prejudice and our preconceptions to Jesus, as we allow him to speak to it, he can actually start to break that stuff down within us. 
And what I love in this moment, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw uh, the, the slides all around this morning, but let's just go back to verse 48. Because Nathaniel asks, how do you know me? And Jesus said, well, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip even called you. Jesus saw Nathaniel and Jesus knows Nathaniel. And I want to encourage us all this morning, whether we're skeptical or whether we're a sold out believer, whether we're hurting or broken, whether we're full of faith or whether we're questioning faith, Jesus sees you, Jesus knows you in whatever situation you're in, whatever circumstances you're facing, Jesus sees you, Jesus knows you. And Jesus wants a moment of encounter with each of us today. He wants to be able to speak into the circumstances and situations we find ourselves in. I want you to hear his voice. I want you to hear what he has to say to you today. I want you to recognize that you are his beloved. He sees you. He knows you. Verse 49. Nathaniel declares, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Cue the slide. Nathaniel the skeptic moves through Nathaniel the inquirer to Nathaniel the believer. This moment of encounter has shifted someone who is literally in a place of Nazareth, can anything good come from there? To Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Notice the three identifiers. Rabbi, teacher, you're the one who can speak into my life. You're the son of God. You're not just the son of Joseph that I was introduced to. You're not just the son of man. You're the son of God. You are divine. You are God. You're the king of Israel. You are the one that fulfills those Old Testament prophecies. You are the chosen one. You are the holy anointed one. Do you see the shift from skeptic to believer? What has happened to move him? Invitation, encounter, and revelation. Starts with an invitation, come and see. If you're sat here today and you're feeling skeptical, if you're exploring faith with Jesus, come and see. Have an encounter, let him speak to you. Understand that he sees you and he knows you. Allow that to be a revelation to your heart, to your soul, to your mind. Let him speak into your circumstances and your situations that you might believe. 
John writes at the end of his gospel. Let's remember, we're looking at a few verses in a biography of Jesus' life. And in John chapter 20, he kind of wraps his gospel up saying, I've written these things that you might believe. And that by believing, you might have life in his name. That's John's desire. That's why he's written all these accounts of the things that happen in Jesus' life. It's why when we turn to the word of God and see Jesus, the son of God revealed, it's there because God wants us to know him. He wants us to know that we are known, that we are seen, but he also wants us to see him for who he is, for us to know him for who he is. This is here that we might believe and that by believing we might find life in Jesus. In this moment, Nathaniel sees Jesus for who he is. Let me throw this question out. What will it take for you to see Jesus for who he is? If you've come with any preconceptions of Jesus, and this applies for us as believers as well. Sometimes we come with our preconceived ideas of who Jesus is. What will it take for us to see Jesus for who he really is? Are we prepared to actually step into an encounter with Jesus that says, despite my preconceived ideas, despite my prejudice, despite any pride that is within me, I want to know you for who you really are. I've had moments as I've explored the word of God as an adult that I've had to go, some of those things I was taught as a child, not necessarily true. And I want to encourage you, if you're a believer, don't let your pride and your preconceived ideas stop you from allowing God to continue to speak into your life, to continue to reveal who he is to you. Don't go, well, just because I've held this belief since I was young, it's right. Allow God to continue revealing himself to you. Don't sit content with where you are in faith. Go deeper, explore the scriptures, allow God to speak to you daily. If you came this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, if you're watching online and you don't know who Jesus is, what will it take to see Jesus for who he really is? Let's allow him to speak to us. Let's step into moments of encounter. Because it's when he speaks to us, when he speaks into our situations, that we can have that moment of encounter and revelation that causes us to go, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You're the one who can speak into my life. You're the one I surrender my life to because you are God. You're the one who fulfills the promises of scripture and therefore I believe that every promise you speak to me, you will continue to fulfill. 
every encounter with Jesus has the potential to transform us. Has the potential to transform us. But will we let it? Let's not come Let's not come before God and before Jesus saying, I just want to see you again and kind of know that I've had this passing encounter. I want an encounter that's going to transform me. Paul said that we should be being changed from one degree of glory to the next. That doesn't mean we come to faith in Jesus and we stay here and go, I've received my salvation, I'm good. I'm happy with where I am today, God. It actually means daily coming before him, going, I want more of you. I want to know you more. Take me deeper, take me further. I don't wanna be who I was yesterday. I wanna be changed from one degree of glory to the next. I want to know you more, God. Reveal yourself to me more and more. May I become more and more like Christ as I submit myself time and time again. Every encounter has the potential to transform us. My prayer today is that we might have an encounter that in this moment we might have an encounter where we allow God to change us, where we will leave not the same as we arrived, but changed into ever increasing glory. And I just wanna give you two very practical things that you can do to allow God to speak to you. Firstly, step into the encounter with him. Step into every moment that he affords you, every opportunity. And in that place of encounter, allow him to speak to you. Let him speak through his word. Let him speak through his spirit. Let him speak to you. Come and see. two last verses which I've run out of time but I'm going to cover very quickly Jesus says to Nathaniel you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree you're going to see greater things than that and then he added very truly I tell you you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man very quickly just two promises that Jesus makes here he is far greater than you think he is he will exceed your expectations. You believe because you've seen this, you're gonna see far greater things. If you step into relationship with me and if you follow me and you give your life to me, you're gonna see greater things. My favorite verse in the Bible, Ephesians 3 verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, 
according to his power at work within us. To him be glory in Christ Jesus and the church forever and ever. He's able to do far more. He's able to exceed our expectations. And the second promise comes from this quote, which refers back to Genesis 28. Jacob lied down, put his head on a stone because that was the most comfortable pillow he could find and had an encounter with God in a dream where he saw the angels ascending and descending and God said, I will be with you. Always. They're words that Jesus echoed before he ascended back into heaven. And Jesus quotes that in this final verse of this passage. He says, you're gonna see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You're gonna see that promise of God's presence fulfilled in me. Two promises. Jesus will exceed your expectations and he will always be with you. He will be God's presence with you. Emmanuel, God with us. Come and see, come and see Jesus. I'm just gonna wrap up by giving a quick, quick invitation to those who came and they didn't know Jesus. You're watching online, you started watching, you didn't know Jesus. But if you've had any kind of encounter with Jesus today, Jesus' first invitation to the disciples was come and see, but his second invitation was follow me. And so I'm just gonna echo that. That's Jesus' invitation to you, follow me. And if you wanna step into relationship with him and receive him as Lord and Savior, I want to lead you through a very simple prayer that acknowledges your need for him, that says, I've done wrong, I've sinned, and I need a savior. That says, I believe that you died to pay the price for my sin. I believe that you rose again in order to offer me new life. And then commits to live for him, to follow his ways, to pursue this life of getting to know Jesus, to follow him. I just wanna ask everyone, if you're in the room, would you close your eyes, bow your heads? And if there's anyone in the room that wants to ask Jesus into their life today, would you raise a hand? Because I would love to pray with you if that's you. If you're online, you can raise a hand in the chat, use an emoticon or something. If you're in Princeton, you can let the pastors know there. You can raise a hand as well. And we're just going to pray this prayer. And if you're in that place today, I want to invite you to make these words your own as you pray them with me. Father God, I confess that I have sinned, I've done wrong, and I need a savior. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and stepping in, for dying on the cross in my place that I might receive the forgiveness of sins, for rising again that I might receive the promise of new life. Today, I receive that gift of new life and I receive the forgiveness of my sins. Would you help me, God, by your Holy Spirit to live for you Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.